Praise the Lord. Good evening, everyone. Would you stand? Everyone standing, please. Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so predictable. And you're so unpredictable. <laughs> and I love both about you, Holy Spirit. Such an honor to serve you. Such an honor to know you. And grateful, Lord, to be able to be, have the privilege and the honor of ministering to your precious people here in Abbotsford means so much, means so much. And Lord, you have taught us so many things, and you're taking us to a great next. Your next will be greater than anything we've seen yet. And Father, I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about what you've got next planned for us on this earth. What you have next for this church, what you have next for our lives, what you have next for our vision, what you have next for our faith. And this weekend will be a weekend that supernaturally will unlock the season called next and we move into God's plan. So, Father, I humble myself before you. Sir, it's been my honor. been my honor, Master, to preach your word for 49 years. Thank you. And King Jesus, I humble myself before you tonight. I pray you'll pick me up again as a microphone. Holy Spirit, you do the teaching. You do the preaching. You know what we need to hear. And we who have ears will hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We don't even have to bind the enemy. We decree and declare he is bound. He is under our feet. You are greater in us than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors. We not only know who you are, we know who we are now in the, in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I thank you for Apostle Nelson. And I take the hand of the father of this house. And I come into agreement with him and all of the other pastors that are here. And I thank you for them. I thank you, Lord, for the many, many years of ministry that Apostle and his precious wife has had here. And I thank you, Lord, for the next they're walking in now and the next influence they're going to have. Not only here, that will continue, but in many other dimensions as he is a leader to leaders. We give you glory and we give you honor and we honor each other tonight in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Is it okay if I move down or do I need to stay up here for video reasons or anything? I'm looking at the tech people. We're good. We're good. Praise the Lord. Can we move down? That, that would be great. Thank you. Hallelujah. You all are so good, so kind. Wow, Fiji water. Ah, it's my, my favorite water. I don't know if it comes from Fiji or not, but it just takes me there every time I drink it. And I've never even been there. Closest I've been there is Hawaii. But if Fiji's anything like Hawaii, I want to go there. Beautiful. So good to see you all again. And I've just come recently from Montreal and uh, missed my French translation tonight. 
Pastor David, would you translate into French for me? But, uh, <laughs> but it's great to be back here in Abbotsford and to see a contingency from Surrey as well. And uh, I was just with D.D.A. Bedomo and his wonderful congregation of African Canadians and Island Canadians and just a packed house. And oh, when they sing, glory to God, wow. They taught me some new songs in French. I have no idea how to sing them, so I just danced to them. Hallelujah. But man, wow. And your praise and worship tonight was beautiful. And uh, we're going to get into teaching. Say, Brother Mike, what have you got planned for this weekend? Anything the Holy Ghost wants? That's my plan. Now, I do have a plan. I want to teach concerning moving into God's next and moving into the next season, corporately in the church, individually, in your business, in your life, in whatever area God's going to move us in. That's the plan. But we are always open to divine direction. We go where the pillar goes. We go where the cloud goes, as in the Old Testament. We go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. We always come prepared, but we're always prepared to lay aside our preparation and go with what God has. And so tonight, what, when are the sessions tomorrow? 9.30, tomorrow morning, tomorrow night at 7, and then Sunday morning at 10, 10.30. Be here at 10 and pray for a half hour. It'll be a better session. <laughs> so I want you to come ready to receive teaching Revelation, instruction, listen for rhema word. If it helps you to take notes, take notes. If it doesn't help you, just receive the word of God. Customize your experience so you can be a learner of God's word, a learner of revelation, a learner of strength and wisdom. Amen? Because I don't know about you, but I'm not going to do church till Jesus comes. I'm going to have an influence. I'm not going to do church. I'm really not interested in being a part of the body of Christ in the Western church that acknowledges Jesus for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. I'm not a part of that church. Come on, keep breathing in and out. I haven't even started yet. Don't get offended early. I don't think you're a part of that church. I want to say this before I get into the teaching. I'm tired of compartmentalization of Christianity. I'm a Christian and I worship for an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half on Sunday morning. But the rest of my life, you can't tell any difference between me and the rest of the culture. That is not being a disciple of Christ. That's not being a disciple of Christ. God has made us new creatures. And I know all of you believe that. And we're going to move into that in a new and living way. Praise the Lord. So, Daniel is already, Pastor Daniel's given me my instruction tonight. He said, get past the salad bar to the meat quick. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens. I'll try. Praise God. And I'll try to stay with, uh, with the PowerPoints, but I'll probably put in some things, and you've done this with me before, and know that I am not bipolar. There are more than two of me. <laughs> so you'll be able to keep up. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Let's use that as our springboard. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. I'm going to teach for about an hour tonight, something like that, and then we'll see what God wants to do. Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, meaning I haven't made it yet. How many know that's a real good attitude to have? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, are behind and reaching forth under those things which are before. In other words, I don't remember last. I'm focusing on next. He said, reaching forth under those things which are before, I am pressing, not casual, not hoping, not wishing, not maybe, not strolling, not que-sera-sera. See, I told you I knew some French. What will be will be. No, I am pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you this weekend, and I'm very serious about moving to next the power of next. And before I get into the PowerPoints, let me say this. The same man under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that wrote, I forget that which is behind and reach forth under the next, also wrote, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And it almost sounds like a contradiction. If you're forgetting what was last and reaching to what is next and pressing with all of your energy into the next and into the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, how does that mesh with being content in the now? If I'm forgetting the last, moving to the next, how can I be content in the now? Because contentment and satisfaction are two very different things. I am content to be doing what God has called me to do, and this is my 49th year of preaching the gospel. But I'm not satisfied with just doing what God has called me to do because he's calling me to do more. Can I hear an amen? So while we have a divine contentment, we're at peace, we love the Lord, we're happy in what we're doing, now is a spectacular time. We're not frustrated, we're not angry with God, we're not miserable, we're not looking for something different, but at the same time, we're pressing into what's next. So bear that in mind as I teach you. The plan and purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives is constantly to morph us to next, to change us into next. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be, watch this, to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That word conformed in Greek is sumorphos. It means to form together or to form something into something else. You remember your Play-Doh days, your kindergarten days, your elementary school days where they gave you Play-Doh and it was just a lump and you got it out of the little yellow can. I don't even know if they have it now. It's probably carcinogenic of some kind, but we didn't know. And the Play-Doh, and we'd get it out of the yellow can. We ate it, in fact. I mean, we didn't even know. 
We didn't know. So I hope it isn't a carcinogen. And we get it out of the yellow can and plop it down. It was just shaped like the can. It was just a, that's what it was. That was the last. That was the last season of the Play-Doh until it got in my hands. And my imagination began to morph it, began to conform it into another image. And it wasn't really, I mean, it wasn't Michelangelo stuff. You know, I'd make a dog, you know, and it looked more like a skunk or whatever. And, and you put the tail on, and you'd, you'd squeeze, and you'd form ears, and you'd make a longer nose, and say, Brother Mike, you're taking us back to pre-K. No, I'm trying to give you an illustration that he is the potter, and we are the Play-Doh. We are the clay, and the Holy Spirit's pr- primary purpose on the earth is not to give us power. That is a subsidiary purpose. The primary purpose, you told me to leave the uh, salad bar early, Pastor Daniel, so it's a subsidiary purpose. We think the Holy Ghost came to the church just to give us power. No. According to Romans 8, he came to make us into the image of Jesus. The plan of the Holy Spirit is to make us more and more like Jesus. Guess what? If you become more and more like Jesus, you're going to have power. Here's something I don't have on a PowerPoint, but get a hold of it. Being never comes out of action. Action comes out of being. God didn't make human actions. He made human beings. Human beings automatically do human actions. The purpose of the Holy Spirit in taking us to next is to make us into the image of Jesus. Watch this. So we will automatically do what he did. So the church, in its attempt to take the place of the Holy Spirit. Hello. Come on, I'm just following the instruction. He said, get to the meat. So I'm requiring you to think here. So the church, or quote-unquote religion, in an attempt to take the place of the Holy Spirit, has tried to make us do Jesus things without us being like Jesus. Come on, get a hold of this. I mean, I didn't even get off the first PowerPoint tonight, but we're just going <laughs> to. What God is trying to do in next, he's not trying to get us to do something next. He's trying to get us to be something next. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to us. Now, don't worry, I'll get to PowerPoint two here in a while. I want you to think of this. I was talking to Pastor David and Wynonna about this earlier today or maybe yesterday. I want you to think about this. And I say it with love, and I don't say it with accusation, and I say it really with a broken heart. But I see, see so many of God's people, and I'm not thinking of anyone here. I'm just speaking in general. I see so many of God's people that know Jesus and don't know Jesus. In other words, they know a Savior, 
They have been born again. Hell has been canceled and heaven has been reserved and they've been redeemed and they know Jesus and they don't know him because they got born again and they didn't follow on to know the Lord. Where was that scripture? We found it. Hosea? I can't remember. What is it? Hosea 6, 3, Daniel thinks, so if it's not right, it's. But Hosea said, if you will follow on to know the Lord. Say those words with me. If you will follow on to know the Lord. Say it again. If you will follow on to know the Lord. Now, wait a minute. This is Israel who all of their sacrifices are about the Lord. Their temple is about the Lord. Their covenant is about the Lord. And God says through a prophet, you need to follow on to know the Lord because you know me, but you don't know me. Here's what God's trying to do with the church. He's trying to get us into a place where we just don't know a Savior, but to where we walk with a master. I'm talking about 24-7, 365. Come on, can I hear an amen? I'm talking about knowing his voice. I'm talking about knowing, uh, knowing when he raises an eyebrow. If my wife Karen was here and sitting in the back, back under the exit sign, and something happened while I was up here, and she raised one eyebrow, I'd know exactly what that meant. If she raised the other one, I'd know what that meant. She's got ambidextrous eyebrows. She can raise both independent. I can't. If she raised both of them, I'd know what that means. Why? Watch this. Intimacy produces revelation. I hear so many of the people of God that are running to every wild-haired prophet that comes within 1,500 miles. Hello? Give me a word. Here's the word. Walk. With Jesus. He talks. But Brother Mike, I want it to be a prophetic word. All right. Yay. I say unto thee, walketh thou with Jesus. Come on, man. Don't you, I, Brother Mike, don't you believe in prophets? Absolutely. Don't you believe in prophetic words? Absolutely. I operate in those gifts. But ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a right to expect a prophetic word when we won't even open the love letter of God called the Bible. When we won't even hear and we expect God, the Holy Spirit, to change us from a Play-Doh image into the image of the Son of God, the only way I can go to God's next is to have God change me into the image that he wants me to be. Now, none of that was in my notes, but how many believe that was the purpose of God for getting us here? I want you to know Jesus. I'm going to hang on this just a minute. I want you to know Jesus. I've heard of the, I've heard of the, the series that Pastor David has been has been preaching and teaching, conversations with Jesus. I want you to know him. 
He said, well, Brother Michael, I met him 30 years. I don't care when you met him. Jesus never invited anyone to accept him. You told me to pass salad bar. We're past it. Some of you got some gristle in your mouth right now. Chew. What do you mean? Jesus never invited anybody to accept him. Show it to me in the scripture. Never invited anybody to accept him. You know what his invitation was? Follow me. Follow me. What's most invitations in the Western church? Won't you please receive Jesus? You ought to be happy he's receiving you. Now, I'm, I'm really serious about this. This is big in me. How could, that's why the Lord has taken me on this tributary before I even got to, through the first thing. Folks, there's more than getting our sins forgiven. There's more than just being redeemed, as good as that is. There's more than being reconciled and sanctified and justified and all of the other theological terms that are so accurate and we need to know but there is this thing called walking through life with Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody asked me the other day, you've been preaching for 49 years. Not in full-time ministry because I started preaching when I was still a teenager. When I was 15 years old, I was preaching three and four times a week. By the time I was 16, I had five or six Bible clubs in different high schools. Before I could drive, I didn't have a driver's license. I had to have somebody drive me so I could go to my Bible clubs to preach. And somebody asked me, they said, you've been preaching for 49 years. This year's probably been the busiest year I've ever had in my life. I mean, go, go, fly, go. I wake up saying, where am I? And the Lord reminds me. <laughs> Busy. Positive things happen in the kingdom. Great things happening in the kingdom of God. And somebody said, why don't you lose enthusiasm about ministry? I said, my focus isn't on ministry. I'm walking through life with Jesus. Oh, if you just if we stopped right here and you got that vision. If 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 I didn't say anything else, but you got that vision. Walking through life with Jesus. Are you kidding me? Not Prime Minister Trudeau. Not Prime Minister Harper. Not President Obama. Or President elect, God help us all. Walking through life with Jesus. He laughs. He enjoys living. He fishes. When you're not catching fish, he knows where they are. He made creation. He's not nearly as stuck in the mud as some of his people. He's full of joy. He's anointed with the oil of gladness above all of his fellows. Apostle, you know what happens when you plan to do something and the Lord just takes you in it. And I'll get back to it when he wants me to. But walking, it's an incredible, adventurous, wonderful, exciting, ever new, keep you young 
lifestyle. It's not church. It involves church. But it's not just church. And, you, and when you're walking through life with Jesus, nobody has to put you in a hammerlock to attend church. Hello, we haven't seen you for three weeks. Why don't you come? Don't neglect the assembly of yourselves again. That doesn't have to happen. When you're walking through life with Jesus, you want to come into his house so you can fellowship with other members of the body of Christ and you can love one another and you can sense what the Spirit of God is saying you can do to help your brother, help your sister. And We're members one of another. When you're walking through life with Jesus, you don't carry around a list of grievances constantly. I don't like the way she worships. I don't like the way he prays. You're walking through life with Jesus. You don't care the way they worship or they praise because he will remind you that's one for whom I died. Oh, maybe I better back up here. Hello? <clears throat> now back to this. The plan and purpose of the Holy Spirit is to morph us, change us in the very image of the Son of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we all with open face, meaning looking, looking with nothing in between, beholding as in a glass or in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed, watch this, are changed into the same image. You can't say amen to that. It requires wow. You hear what that says? Looking in a mirror and beholding the glory of the Lord. Wait a minute, I'm looking in a mirror. What's it reflect? It reflects my image. But how do I see the glory of the Lord? Because the Holy Spirit is changing me into that image. He's changing me into that image. And then he says, from glory to glory. In other words, last glory isn't as good as this glory, and this glory won't be as good as next glory. So God is constantly moving us to where? Next. That's where he's moving us. If you look in the New Testament, he talks about faith to faith, grace to grace, Glory to glory. In other words, he always, God never changes himself, but he desires to constantly change us. Get a hold of that. God never changes himself, but he desires constantly to change us because eventually we're going to look so much like him. Some of you ought to be happy about that. Well, Brother Mike, who do you think you are to make that statement? I know who I am. I know exactly who I am. I'm a child of the living God. I'm being changed into the glory of God. I'm being conformed to the image of the Son of God. Not me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Shoot that song. Several times <laughs> till it doesn't move anymore. You are not a sinner saved by grace. 
You were a sinner. You got saved by grace. Now you're a saint of the living God. Quit telling God he's a liar. Brother Mike, I'd never tell God he's a liar. Every time you tell him you're a sinner, you're telling him, I love you, but I don't believe you. Stop it. T.L. Osborne said, Christians don't lie. They just come to church and sing lies. That was T.L. that said that. He's with the Lord and you can't reach him. God never changes himself, but he desires to constantly change us. Now grab this. What God does next is always greater than what God did last. If Christians could believe that, if they could, if they could understand that what God has planned for us next is it going to be a bad thing? It's not going to be a terrible thing. It isn't going to be a negative thing. Oh, yes, we're going to walk through bad things, negative things, and tough things in life. But God, in the midst of all of that, is taking us to a better next. All of these things are working together for good to them that love the Lord. And he's constantly moving. Whatever God does next is greater than what God did last that's why at the age of 64 i haven't lost enthusiasm for mentoring my protégés fathering my sons and daughters teaching god's people it doesn't make any difference to me if there's 50,000 seated in front of me or 170 countries when the tv camera comes on or there's 50 people or i'm sitting with four of my protégés over coffee makes no difference why because I have watched for 64 years. And let me give you a report. Whatever God does next. <laughs> I'm trying just to teach, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little happy about this. Whatever God does next, Apostle Nelson, Louise, whatever God does next will be greater than whatever he's done last. And if you could ever believe that, if you could ever start believing that, I watch believers start winding down and wishing to die at 40. I'm serious. Now, I, I want the Lord Jesus to come, and if he comes tomorrow, I'm ready. But I just soon need to wait a while. i got some plans. And I believe they're his plans. And we've got so much of the church, the only next they know is some glad morning when this life is o'er. I'll fly away. Where are you flying to? Next. Well, <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. I know that when my body, when my spirit leaves my body to be absent from the body, is going to be present with the Lord. But I'd like to enjoy a few next before rigor mortis sets in. God has, I'm sorry, God has fabulous surprises. Oh, hallelujah. I didn't know I was going to get into all this. But God, I want you to believe this. Start believing this. God has spectacular handfuls on purpose that he's having dropped in your field right now. He drops it in your field. Watch this. 
He's dropped it on the ground in your field. But if this is all you're doing, I'm waiting for him to come, looking for him. You'll miss all the handfuls. Shouldn't we look for the Lord to come? Sure. But I'm looking for the Lord who's already come too. I'm looking for the Lord who walks with me. Heaven heaven is just a, a change of scenery. It's the same voice you'll hear in heaven that you can hear now. It's the same Jesus you'll see him face to face in heaven. But by the Spirit of God, you can talk to him now. You understand this? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing will be. How about rejoicing now? (laughs) Paul didn't say rejoice in the Lord when you get to heaven always. He said rejoice now. And when he wrote that, he was in prison. How could he write that? He's walking with Jesus. Brother Mike, you hit tradition. You bet, right in the nose. The two greatest dangers to your walk with Christ today is religious tradition and religious trends. Devils will not hurt you as much as religion will destroy you. Devils are under your feet. It's our religious thinking that destroys us. Still love me? That's why you must not have in the first place. <laughs> Still love one another? Hallelujah. What God, what God does next is always greater than what he did last. Say that with me. What God does next is always greater than what he did last. He proves that in the life of his son Jesus on the earth. His conception supernaturally in the womb of a virgin is great, but his miracle birth is greater. His miracle birth is great, but his sinless life is greater. His sinless life is great, but his miracle ministry is greater. His miracle ministry is great, but his death on the cross is greater. Everything God does next, greater. His death on the cross is great, but three days later, his resurrection is greater. There have been a lot of people die on the cross, but nobody had come back. His resurrection was great. But his ascension was greater. His ascension was great, but his high priestly ministry is greater. His high priestly ministry is great, but his second coming will be greater. And if you're, if you're in a downward spiral, well, it just, you know, God doesn't move like he used to move. God doesn't bless like he used to bless. You're not walking, you're not walking with Jesus. You're not knowing Jesus. I'm loving you, but I'm loving you hard. It doesn't have to get old and crusty and crotchety and mean-spirited and cynical and stuck in the mud. It doesn't have to be that way. Because whatever God does next is always greater than what God did last. Oh, some of you ought to be happy about that. Oh, whatever God does next. Come on, baby, start dreaming some dreams. Whatever God does next 
It was great, Winona, that God brought you through cancer. It'll be greater when you start slapping your hands on, on people's heads that have cancer and it shrivels up and dies. That'll be greater. See, what God does next is always greater. I, I, I used that statement in another message not long ago, and a lady came up to me and said, I don't believe that. It doesn't work for me. I said, of course not. You don't believe it. If you will listen to people's words, they will tell you exactly what their problem is. She said, what do you mean? I said, no, what you said, you don't believe it. Jesus said all things are possible to them that believe. It doesn't get better for unbelievers, especially unbelievers that know Jesus. Boy, write that down because I'm going to, I don't think I've ever said that. You mean that you unbelievable if you know jesus you're not a believer i mean you're not an unbeliever oh i know a lot of people who know jesus that are unbelievers they know jesus as savior but i know a lot of them that don't believe he's a healer so they don't know jesus the healer because they've decided to believe he doesn't do that anymore (laughs) i've got friends that know jesus the savior But they're unbelievers in Jesus, the baptizer. They don't believe he baptizes people in the Holy Ghost, so they know Jesus as a Savior, but they're an unbeliever in Jesus, the baptizer. Are they going to heaven? Yeah, because they believe on Jesus as Savior. And then they say this, nobody gets baptized in the Holy Spirit in our church. Right. (laughs) You don't know Jesus, the baptizer. You don't believe in Jesus, the baptizer. Oh, I'm getting a whole new message here. I'm not going to preach it right now, but anyway. Oh, that'll be a that that that'll 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 stir some religious folks. How to be saved and an unbeliever at the same time. I know a lot of saved unbelievers. I had a man walk up to me not long ago and he's and he's a preacher. And he said, he said, you know, we don't have apostles and prophets in our church. He said, I don't know why, but we don't have them. I said, I can tell you why. He said, why? I said, you don't believe they exist. So why would God send you a fantasy? (laughs) The Bible says, according to your faith, so be it unto you. But when you walk through life with Jesus, not just Savior, you find out that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he baptized them in the Holy Ghost, he baptizes today in the Holy Ghost. If he healed then, he heals now. If he gave fivefold ministry, he didn't withdraw two of them. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Y'all still with me? I don't have this on a PowerPoint, but remember it. If the caterpillar doesn't break out of its cocoon and move to the next season of being a butterfly, its cocoon of comfort will become its coffin. If the caterpillar does not break out of its cocoon and move into its next season of being a butterfly, its cocoon of comfort will become its coffin. God wants to move us to next. Sometimes the biggest enemy to next is now. 
Because the cost of next is now. Hallelujah. This must be a good group because I'm not feeding Padlam right here. The seed for tomorrow is today. The cost for my future is my present. I can't steal second base when I'm hugging first. I have to leave last and move with Jesus to next. Hallelujah. Even Jesus, when he was a human on the earth, even the Son of God that was 100% God and 100% man, but in his deity, even Jesus had to live in the power of next. Born in Bethlehem, moved to Nazareth, run to Egypt. Next, next, next. Herod dies, come back from Egypt, Nazareth. Work until you're 12 years old in a carpenter shop. Next season, I'm in the temple. I'm answering the theologians. I'm asking them questions. I'm answering their questions. But I got to go back and work in the carpenter's shop because I'm still in the season called submission and I can't move to the next of exaltation until I move season by season. Even Jesus had to move into the power of next. How many can tell there's a real passion in my heart not just to have church? but to get folk in love with Jesus. great friend of mine that's always at, at, at our gathering of eagles sings a song. He's got one of the most beautiful soundtracks to it I've ever heard. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. It's not past tense. It's continual. What keeps a marriage full of vibrancy? Next. What makes a marriage boring and blow up? Last. You're not, you're not, you're not what I married. Well, that's last. This is now. We're going to walk to next. The old gray mare ain't what she used to be either. Don't just sit there pray. <laughs> you understand? It works with the church. Abbotsford, Solid Rock, other churches, Celebration Life Church, Celebration Church, other church, your church, brother. They're represented here. If you live in the if you live in the yesterday of next, of last, you'll miss the future of next. I can show you churches, I guarantee you, I can show you churches in Abbotsford, British Columbia, and in Surrey and in Vancouver that are living in last. I love them all. I love all the different streams. I had a great-great-grandfather that was a Methodist, but a lot of my Methodist brethren are still remembering what John Wesley did. He's dead! <laughs> Honor it! Honor it! Learn from it! But move into what God has next. My dad went home to be with Jesus six years ago. My mom lives with me, 94 years old. She told me the other day, Jesus told me, son, I don't have a lot longer here. I want to have good quality time together. While I'm here, I'm going home soon. 
Do I honor them? Oh, mom doesn't buy anything. I buy it. She's got money, but she's not spending her money. I buy it. I honor her. Why? She's my mom. <laughs> I have people ask me that. Why do you buy everything for your mom? She's my mom. See Dick and Jane with the big red ball thinking. <laughs> She's my mom. Honor your father and mother. Well, I don't do that. Well, it'll go bit well. It won't go well with it, according to the Word of God. I honor them. But I hear things like this. Oh, if we could just go back to the good old days. I have no desire for brush arbors and pot-bellied stoves. None. None. I'm 64 years old. In the 60s, I saw a certain move of God. I was in the move of God called the Jesus movement. I was in the move of God called the charismatic movement. I have no desire to go back to any of those moves. I want to see what the next move is. Because what God does next is always greater than what he does, what he did last. Okay. Got a few more minutes here. We'll take this up tomorrow morning. And we're going to talk this weekend a lot. And we'll minister in the altars in certain times on what's holding us back from next. Because it's the enemy and religion and people's job to constantly fence you in so you won't go to next. Listen, the devil is not afraid of where I am. He's just afraid about where I'm going. <laughs> Why does a lion come out against David when he's a nobody? The devil is not worried about him when he's an unknown shepherd. But he's very worried about him. He's not omniscient. But Samuel has poured some oil at some point and prophetically declared he'll be king. And the enemy believes the prophetic word more than most churches. <laughs> and he says, I'm, I'm not worried about him back in the field. I'm not worried about him making up songs while he watches a bunch of sheep. But this kid, if I don't take him out now, he'll take me out later. God didn't worry about you now. I mean, Satan isn't worried about your now. He's worried about your next. And sometimes Satan has a greater vision that God's got better things for us than we do. Sometimes Satan has more faith in what God's going to do next for us <laughs> than what we do. That's why he stops, tries so hard to stop us now before we get the... Burn them now. And if you don't, they'll be governors in the Babylonian kingdom. Kill Daniel now. Because if not, he's going to be real important in the kingdom. He's going to have influence. Kill him now. 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 Because if you don't, oh, come on, somebody, get a hold of that. The monumental importance of next. I want to give this to you very quickly. The only 
safe place is the next place. Say that with me if you don't mind, please. The only safe place is the next place. Say it again if you don't mind, please. The only safe place is the next place. What do I mean by that? Lot and his family go to Sodom and Gomorrah. They shouldn't have gone there. God had other good things for them, but they went there. And Lot was still righteous when he was there, according to the Word of God, because it said the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah vexed his just or righteous soul. So he's still in right relationship with God. And he's in a certain place. But God says to Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, everybody in it. Now, I know that's the God of the Old Testament, the one that died and a new one came <laughs> that doesn't, wouldn't do anything like that. I understand. I, I, I'm, I've read the Hyper Grace books. <laughs> I understand that God changed. I understand. Gotcha. Gotcha. understand that. Easiest doctrine to make a fraud out of takes 30 seconds. We'll move on. The only safe place is the next place. He's in Sodom and Gomorrah. He's just, he's righteous. But there comes a time where God says, you have to move from that place to the next place. And if you don't, you'll be destroyed. So the only safe place is the next place. It's real strong if you'll grab it. I don't know if you know, but I'm teaching on a level like I would teach at Gathering of Eagles. And you ought to feel good about that because God feels like that you're ready to go to next. Let me give you a little bit of warning. Some people who have loved you for what you've been and what you are won't like you for what you're going to be next. That's the cost of next. The cost of the brilliance of next is the stupidity of now. And you will lose turkeys when you fly with eagles. More angels, Lord, I need protection. Brother Mike, I wouldn't talk that way about anybody. Well, I would, and I'll talk that way for you and me. Some of our biggest problems in life are the people that want God says to Israel, go into the land, I've already given it to you. But there are ten spiritual idiots out of an entire generation, ten fools. Brother Mike, I wouldn't call him a fool. God did 52 times in the book of Proverbs. He gave you 52 ways in the book of Proverbs in 31 chapters of how to identify a fool. Why? So you can avoid one a week. 
Brother Mike, I treat everybody the same. You don't. Jesus didn't. He did not. He called Herod an old fox. He called John the Beloved. He said Pharisees were snakes and harlots that repented were queens. He treated them different. He preached to the multitudes in parables, but he didn't interpret them, but he did interpret them to the twelve. He loved them all enough to die for all of them, but he didn't treat them the same. The Bible says a companion of fools will be destroyed, but he that walketh with the wise shall be wise. That's my choice, not God's. Amen? Ten fools. We can't go in. There's a Jordan River there. The Jordan River isn't near what the Red Sea was. Have you ever noticed Christians forget what they ought to remember and remember what they ought to forget? God brought us through the Red Sea, but there's a river. River. <laughs> wow. And they say this, we can't go in. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Just because you've got a wrong self-image doesn't mean I have to buy into it. If God be for us, who can be against And they listen to ten fools. Oh, my friend, who you listen to. Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the council. Of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. The ungodly are in the world. The sinners are in the world. The scornful are in the church. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Why? Because they'll always tell you you can't go to next. There are people that don't want to go to what God has next for them. And that's bad enough and that's heartbreaking. But the key is... They don't want you to go either. Ten of them came back. Why don't they just say, we ten have decided to die in the wilderness? No, they convinced the whole generation. In fact, God was ready to kill them all then. You know, the God who died. (laughs) He was ready to kill them all then. And Moses intervened. A whole generation of people die. Why? Because the only safe place is the next place. You're safer facing giants in Canaan with God than being in the desert without him. Next, put the next one up. The only anointed place is the next place. Would you say that out loud with me, please? The only anointed place is the next place. One more time. The only anointed place is the next place. Now, I understand that the anointing we've received abides on us. I understand the Greek word is meno. It means to reside, not visit, but to reside. I understand that. But the only anointed place is the next place. What do I mean by that? Jesus was anointed to do what God wanted him to do in Nazareth for 30 years. But there came a day where if he would have stayed in Nazareth, he would not have been anointed. There comes a time when God says, 
you got to move to the next place. I'm not talking about geographically. I'm not talking about another country, although I am possibly considering moving after November 8th to British Columbia. If, if you'd receive me. <laughs> Don't push that button. I'll be so glad when it's over. <laughs> and the Bible says, little little statement that looks inconsequential till you really understand it. The Bible says, he left Nazareth and went down to Galilee and down to the river and submitted down to John the Baptist, went down in the water, came up, the Holy Ghost came down and drove him into the wilderness and he defeated the devil and came out and turned water into wine and began his ministry. You can't begin the anointed ministry God has for you next while you stay in the comfortable carpenter shop where God has had you last. There comes a time when you have to lead people that don't know who you are. Are you grabbing that? You can live with people for 30 years and they don't know who you are. Well, I don't want people to see me, just Jesus. Well, they're going to have to die first. <laughs> we say such things that are, if you really analyze them, I don't want people to see me. Are you kidding me? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. The only way that the people see Jesus is when the church illuminates him. If you look in Revelation, when Jesus appears, he is walking in the midst of the candlesticks. What are the candlesticks? The church. And the candlesticks all went out and said, I don't want you to see me, just Jesus. When the fire in the church goes out, nobody can see Jesus. The point is that, he, that they see Jesus in us. They don't give us glory. We're not trying to get the glory, but we're trying to show them Jesus in us. That's why the Bible says, you are living letters known and read by all men. The only Jesus some people will ever see is the Jesus they see in you. And you can't, you can't hang with people that don't know who you are. You have to move to somebody that does. Don't stay where you're tolerated. Go where you're celebrated. Well, I wish I'd have thought of that. It's a great statement. Don't stay where you're tolerated. Go where you're celebrated. They, they didn't want to. In fact, he tried one more time. He came back after he started his ministry, and he came back to Nazareth, and they asked him to read you know, in the synagogue, and he got up and he read from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me. And he, and he read all that, that messianic psalm. And he went over and he sat down in a chair. And any orthodox rabbi will tell you, rabbinical scholars will tell you, that in all probability, probability, probable, ah, whatever, he probably sat down. All probability, hallelujah. In all probability... He sat down in what's called the Messiah seat because in every synagogue there was an empty seat. 
and it was reserved for the Messiah. So he reads a, a prophecy about the Messiah, and he says, this day this is fulfilled in your eyes, meaning I'm him, and then goes over and sits down in the chair that nobody has ever sat in because it's reserved for the Messiah. Now, how many know that's trying to reveal to these people <laughs> who I am? And what's their reaction? They take him outside the synagogue and they want to kill him. And the Bible said he walked through the midst of them and he could do no mighty works there? I guess not. Could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. They didn't know who he was. They wouldn't have received who he was. Except on the way out, he laid hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Brother Shambach said he healed a couple of headaches. And on his way out of town, they said, why can't you do anything there? And he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. What's he saying? Leave the dishonoring and the dishonorable and look for the ones who, want, who are longing for what you have in you. Oh, hear this word. I'm trying to help you not have a nervous breakdown. Don't spend 25 years working on somebody that won't even listen to the Holy Spirit. What chance do you have with them? But I love them. Jesus loves them more. Turn them over to him. Move on. The only anointed place is the next place. i got to quit here in a minute. Nobody's giving me a time, but I'm just... We've got time this weekend. Are we all right? The only prosperous place is the next place. The only prosperous. Can you read that with me, please, out loud? Thank you. The only prosperous place is the next place. One more time. The only prosperous place is the next place. As soon as we see the word prosperous or prosperity or prosper, we immediately flash into the financial realm and the monetary system. And while that involves that, it's not exclusive to that. And some of you have heard the definition I give to kingdom prosperity. Prosperity is this, having more than enough to fulfill your assignment from God on the earth with plenty left over to help others fulfill theirs. More than enough wisdom, more than enough anointing, more than enough knowledge, more than enough ideas, more than enough opportunities, more than enough money, all of it, to fulfill your assignment. And your assignment's not my assignment, and my assignment is not her assignment. We all have different assignments. And we don't want to have not enough. We want to have just enough. No, we want to have more than enough because if you don't have more than enough, you can't help anybody else that doesn't have enough. That's the only purpose of prosperity. Elijah, the prophet of God, there's a drought going on. He's sitting at the brook Cherith. Y'all remember this story? He's sitting at the brook Cherith, and prosperity is flowing in front of him. I mean, he's got what he needs to fulfill his assignment. He's got a drink. Fiji water is flowing in Israel. <laughs> and birds are coming and bringing him food. And none of them were a filet of fish. <laughs> You'd have to know anyway. Some of you know it's a personal story. And he's, he's, he has more than enough to fulfill his assignment with plenty left over to help others fulfill theirs. 
And all of a sudden, the brook dries up. And the bird dies. Well, I don't know if he died, but he didn't come back. <laughs> and if he sits, watch this. If he sits where God provided, he'll die. He's got to move to where God has prepared a widow to provide. For Brother Mike, it was a move of God. Was is the key word. God has moved on. Let me give you an example. Children of Israel crossing the desert. Poisonous snakes come in. When they begin to bite the children of Israel, and everyone that's bitten dies. And God says to Moses, make a graven image of a serpent. So wait a minute. I thought God told them not to make it. God is God over what he says. He's wanting to illustrate something to them. And he says, make a graven, make an image of a, a, a snake and put it up on a pole. And everybody that looks at the snake won't die of all these snake bites. Let me ask you a question. Was that a move of God? Absolutely. Did it work? Absolutely. Was it anointed? Did they prosper in life? I mean, they lived. Do you know what Israel did? Kept the snake for generations and put it up on a pole for generations and began to worship it. And finally, God raised up a king and said, grind the stupid thing up. That's what he said. He said, grind it up and just call it what it is, a piece of brass. But I thought it was what God did. Now, before we criticize Israel for worshiping what God did, the church world does it all the time. We worship what God did instead of worshiping God. We full gospel people are infamous for this. What God did, walking with Jesus. I don't understand that. I want God to do what he did. <laughs> walking with Jesus. One hand, walk with Jesus. Encapsulate the past in a capsule of honor. Honor it. Thank God for it. Revere it. It's okay to talk about it, to remember it. That's why they put up altars, so you can remember what God did. But you don't worship it. Thank God for Whitfield. But we need another great awakening in the United States. And Canada, too. Thank God for Finney. Thank God for Moody. Thank God for Sunday. Thank God for all that. But what does God have next? And what God has next, come on, get a hold of this. I'm going to close in a minute. What God has next may not look like what he did last to prosper you. May look totally different. The widow did not look like a bird.
And I can just hear Elijah. Where's the bird? You told me to go to Zarephath. I've always prospered through the bird. There's no bird. There's an old skinny woman. She looks like she hadn't eaten in a long time or eaten very little, and her kid's out there with her, and they're gathering sticks. What are you doing? Gathering sticks. What are you going to do? Going to make two pancakes. He's going to eat one. I'm going to eat one. Then we're going to die. Full of faith woman. And Elijah's going, where's the bird? Where's the river? I remember the bird move. I remember the river move. I'm not into a widow move. Come on, I mean, we're laughing, but I mean, really? Have you noticed how many times God's people are looking for what God did? And God said, you can go back. To, I mean, you, you, you like the bird? Look for the bird. You want to go back to the brook? It's dry. I have prepared a widow in Zarephath. And if she'll obey an instruction from a man of God who will paint a picture of her future, and if she'll operate in faith, you will be prospered there. There is a place called there. And if you stay there, when God goes there, you won't prosper. You have to change with God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm enjoying teaching you tonight. Brother Mike, there's not 500 people here. I don't care. There's, there's eagles here. More will come this weekend. Everything will be good. I'm just trying to tell you that God's next is so much greater than you could ever dream. Some of you in your yesterdays have had people put you down so much and tell you you can only reach so high and you can only go so far. And God did something for you there. But where it is next, there's, oh, God's already prepared a widow for you. God's already prepared the next provision for you. God's already done that. I got to quit, I got to quit, I got to quit. I really don't have to, but I'm going to in a minute. Somebody asked me the other day, what are you going to do when you move into your 70s? I said, I don't know, but it'll be exciting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man looked at me and he said, well, when you move into your 70s, you're going to quit preaching? I said, I'm not going to die in my 70s. He said, I didn't talk about when you're going to die, when you're going to quit preaching. That's, I said, that's what I said. I'm not going to die in my 70s because I'll quit preaching when I die. I may do it different. I may, it may be in different ways, in different schedules in my 90s than in my 60s. But Somebody asked me one time, what if the Lord took your voice? <laughs> the Lord doesn't take what he healed twice. He miraculously healed my voice twice. One time in front of 800 people instantly, instantly, medically documented. That was when I was 21. It's still fairly strong. <laughs> and I use it extensively. He said, well, what, but what if, what if the Lord let your voice, you couldn't use your voice anymore? I said, well, I'd write more books. And that's why I'd preach and teach. 
And they said, well, what if the Lord let your mind? This was a deep thinker. <laughs> He's a good guy, too. He said, he said Brother Mike, what, what, what if the Lord let your mind not work in where you couldn't write books? I said, well, God's spirit bears witness with, with spirit, not mind. So even if my mind wasn't working, I could sit in a nice chair on my deck and look out over the Ozark Mountains, and my spirit would intercede for my protégés and my sons and daughters. And he looked at me and he said, wow, it sounds like the only way the devil can stop you is to kill you. And I said, he can't even do that <laughs> until it's time for the Lord to take me. So whatever God does next is okay with me because it'll be greater than what God did last. I remember in my, in my teens, I loved, the, I loved going to those high schools and and open, open Bible clubs in high schools. I loved it. Loved it. Memories. Remember my 20s in Bible college, and as I was going through Bible college, and every weekend I'd go out and preach on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, drive back late, be late for chapel Monday morning, and the dean didn't like it. I didn't care. He couldn't preach. Nobody was inviting him. They were inviting me. <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, I'm just kidding. He could preach. He was a great preacher. He's a wonderful man of God. I remember those days, and they were great, but I have no desire to go back and do that. That was then. Now is now. I remember going in my 20s and, and being elected to a position over 500 churches and the youth ministry of over 500 churches. We do youth camps all summer long with seven and 800 teenagers every week all summer long. And now I have many of them coming up, up to me, and they're older, you know. And I had a man walk up to me the other day, and he said, he said, are you the Mike Brown that in the 70s used to direct camps? And certain I said, yeah. And he began to weep, and he said, I was a teenager, and I got saved at your camp. And I'm a deacon in the church now. You're preaching, man, and God's so, so good to see you. I didn't know where you were. Wonderful. Walking through life with Jesus. If, you, if, if people could only understand this, why do we focus on all the other stuff? Brother Mike, haven't you had any problems? Oh, baby. Have you had any Judases in your life? Yeah. You had any disappointments in your life? Big ones. Have you had any things you can't understand in your life? Still don't today. Boy, it's been a rough life, hasn't it? It's been an incredibly rewarding, fulfilling, exciting, adventurous journey. Walking through the heartaches with Jesus. Walking through the joy with Jesus. But every decade is better than the last. If you young people can believe this, see, see I know what it is to be young. 
you don't know what it is to be old. <laughs> and neither do I, because I don't call myself old yet. But if you young people can believe this, if all of you can believe this, man, start, stop focusing on what the devil's plan. I get tired of hearing that. Well, I wonder what the devil's going to do tomorrow. He's going to be one step closer to hell tomorrow. I'm not worried about what the devil's going to do. And then started traveling, preaching major campaigns and conferences in my late 20s after I did that other. And then pastored my first church. I'm not just walking down memory lane. I'm trying to teach something as I close here. Went to my first church. What a blessing. Still remember those people. Ooh. Wonderful people. Memories are wonderful if you don't live in them. Because God's got greater people in my future than I even had in my past. And we saw that church grow from 200 to 900 in two and a half years. We bought a radio station. Started taking teams overseas and building churches all over the place. Wow, what a, what a season that was, Apostle. Wow. Say, boy, bro, my sounds like you're getting ready to die. Wow. It's, no, I'm trying to teach some. In my 30s. But in my 30s, I experienced some of the greatest attacks of hell in my life. And Jesus walked with me through all those times. And I can just go through it all, 40s, 50s. I didn't know I was going to pray with two presidents, but God had a next. God had a next. And now I get to be in my 60s with wonderful people in British Columbia, like you, and pour my heart out to you and really try everything I know to convince you that whether you're in your teens or your 20s or your middle age or your elderly, that what God does next is always greater than what God did last. And that's not a young whippersnapper thinking up a nice, fun saying that sounds good. It's a 64-year-old guy that's walked with Jesus. Not perfectly. He's never disappointed me. I have often disappointed myself. But the amazing thing is, I've never disappointed him. Of course, he knew the flub before I made it. And to be disappointed, you'd have to expect something else. It's impossible. i got to stop because there's too much here. You can't disappoint God. He knows the end from the beginning. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, but you can't disappoint him. He knew Peter was going to mess up, told him so. He did. I told you so. I still made fish for you. Do you love me? I think so. Do you really love me? I'm not sure. Do you love me? Well, you know. Okay, I'm still going to have you preach on the day of Pentecost. Because what I do next, Peter, I may be like that video a minute and just run. 
<laughs> we saw a video on YouTube. Isn't it great? Because everybody else would have counted Peter out. But Jesus pulls him over after a fish fry. Come up here, Alex. And, and Peter doesn't even know. I'm trying to stop, but I, I'm trying. And he pulls him over, and he feeds him fish. And he pulls him over to the side, and he says, Pete, you love me? And it's interesting, he uses different Greek words. I don't have time to teach that, but he says, you love me, Peter? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, do you agape me? Do you have the right kind of God love for me? And he says, Lord, you know I philosophy you. Because Peter used to let his mouth overload his brain. And he's not going to do it anymore. And so he just says, Peter, walk with me. You love me? And Peter says, I, I have a strong friendship love for you. Yeah, but Peter, do you love me? Well, Lord, why do you keep asking me? I have a strong friendship love for feed my sheep then. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know. And when he says, you know, what he was saying is, I don't know. Because I thought I loved you before. And I denied you three times. And he says, Peter, a little secret. You're the one I'm going to have preach the keynote address at the birth of the church. Not John, faithful John, who stayed with me. You, bipolar, up and down, in and out, in the boat, out of the boat, sleep through prayer meetings, cuss like a sailor, no guts with a little girl in front of the fire. You. <laughs> you. Because, Peter, I want to tell you something that I'm going to have Mike Brown preach a couple of thousand years from now. What I do next is always greater than what I did last. And you thought the draught of fishes was great. But you think you disqualified yourself for anything next. But my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And in a few days, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. And you're going to be a brand new boy. And you'll not do those things anymore. Sit down, Peter. <laughs> Anybody receive what I've given you tonight? I didn't get through everything I wanted to, but that's good because we've got other times tomorrow. But I feel more like a father than I've ever felt in my life. I really wish I could take 64 years of living, of walking with Jesus, not perfectly. None of us walk with him perfectly. But boy, how I wish I could take 64 years of walking with Jesus and just put everything I've learned in people like you. You. And you, and you, and you, and all of you, no matter what age.
is the only legacy I long for. And so I've taught you a little bit tonight, and we've laughed some. But I just want to give you one more revelation, and it's this. What God does next is always greater than what God did last. And tomorrow morning, we're going to rush through the rest of this. The only blank place is the next place. I've got two or three or four more of these. And then we're going to go into what you have to overcome to move to next. And it's not just going to be teaching this weekend, although teaching is vital. When you stop learning, you start dying. That's why the scripture says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You know what he's saying? You know me, but you don't know me. Learn about me. That's why Paul said, my God, Pastor David, I'm so full tonight. So full, I've got to stop, Lord. You can know him and not know him. You got to keep learning of him. And here's what I want us to pray tonight. Are you glad you came tonight? And tomorrow night I'll minister in the altars of breaking through barriers that keep us from next. But you know what, my friend? Not the greatest power in the church can break us in the next until we make a decision we want to go there. Until we make a decision that we want to go there. So I'm going to do something a little different tonight. It won't take long. And I'm not standing up here to judge you or think one more spiritual than the next. Not my job. Would never want that job. But I'm just wondering how many people here would just sincerely and honestly say to me tonight, Brother Mike, I'm willing to let God mess up my current cocoon so it doesn't become a coffin. And I'm willing to let God show me what's next. And I would like, with God's grace and help, to move to whatever he has next for me. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a minute if you're like that. But let me tell you this one more little thing. You can go ahead and begin to play because you play so pretty. You're a very special young lady, you know. You really are. God's going to use you greatly. Every time I look at you, I know it. He's going to use you in some necks that you haven't even discovered about you. You've kind of got, you know, what you think you are. And it's good. But God knows the you you haven't discovered yet. And you're about to have a season of massive discovery of who you are. You believe me? I'm back with the rest of you.
I remember Apostle Nelson, when I was a kid, we used to sing songs, and they were all true when we meant them. But the way we sang them made me miserable. And it was always songs like this, and it sounded like this. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, <laughs> or mountain, or plain, or sea. Remember? We always sang it like that. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. In other words, I, what I felt was, I'll go, but it'll be terrible when I get there. I'll go, but it'll be horrible and hard and vicious, and it'll all be bad and rough, and God, but I'll go. Where you want me to go, I don't want to go, but you want me to go there, so I'll go. It was almost You remember? And we'd sing it like 42 times. <laughs> And I've had flashbacks lately and remember that. And I remember the expression on people's faces. And I'm thinking, boy, I'm grateful I'm not God. <laughs> I mean, it was excruciating pain when we said, I'll go where you want me to go. <laughs> it's all right. Don't, don't bother. It's okay. <laughs> Stay where you are. <laughs> now, don't get mad at me. We meant it right. We meant we're willing to do whatever you want us to do. And, and we know there'll be some tough times and hard times, and we're willing to do that. It's good. It's commitment. But you know what I've discovered? I taught my guys in Bible college, I told them this. I said, guys, quit thinking that wherever God calls you to, it's going to be just hard, miserable, you're going to hate every time. I said, if God calls you to the Arctic, you're going to love cold. If he calls you to Congo, you're going to love the culture because you're going to love wherever Jesus wants you to be. Jesus is what makes it good. Not all the other stuff. So stop thinking that I'll go to next. God, if I have to go to next, I will. But start thinking this. We're going to next? You got something next? Hallelujah. Because I'm starting to believe it. What God does next is greater. More fun, more joy, more life, more youth, more youth, because it's wonderful. Stand up or I'll preach all night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Winona, for sitting. Winona wants me to preach all night. Be seated. No, no stay where you are. You're fine. Raise up both hands and just give the Lord praise. Come on, use your voice. Use your voice. I haven't forgot what I said a minute ago. Come on, let's just give him praise. Come on, we're going to go in a little bit, but just give him praise. Come on, do it right now. All over the church, just give him glory. Father, we love you. 
We bless you. We honor you. We thank you. We give you good, 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 Father. Oh, you're a good, 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 good Father. We love you. We worship you. We honor you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We love walking through life with you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now look up here at me. How many of you would say, Brother Mike, even if the cocoon is kind of thick, and this weekend God's got to break through some stuff to get me to leave my cocoon to become the butterfly of next, I really, and I mean it sincerely, I really want God, whatever it takes. It's not going to be bad, negative. He's going to crush you. He, I was in a service the other day, and the guy, I preached, and the guy got up. I, he wasn't the pastor, but he got up, and he kept saying, and remember, God wants to crush you. He wants to crush you. He wants to crush you. And I'm thinking, they're crushed enough. Cut it. Life has enough crushing. Life will crush you. God will be close to you when you have a broken and contrite spirit. God don't want to break us. He wants to heal us. We're already broken, obviously. How many of you would say, Brother Mike, I really do. I want to discover what God has next. If you're like that, just slip your hand up. I just really want to discover what God has next. I want those of you that raise your hand, just step out and come. Move my Fiji water so nobody knocks it over. Just come stand up here. Tonight was primarily teaching, and I'm not going to keep you much longer. Hallelujah. Son, would you take that? Hallelujah. Would you hand me my handkerchief wherever? There it is. Thank you. Hallelujah. Look at me for a minute. You're going to have to make a decision in life about next. Here's the decision you have to make. Are you going to believe the words of men and women? Or are you going to believe the words of God? That's really it. And it may seem like an oversimplification, but it's really true including yourself. You're going to believe the words of God or are you going to believe the words of humans? It's really what it comes down to because humans will tell you you're too old, you're too young, you're too uneducated, you're too educated. Your ethnicity is wrong, your location is wrong, this is wrong, that's wrong. And your voice will tell you. The devil doesn't have to accuse most of God's people. You do a good job of it. Self-accusation. Or are you going to believe Jesus? I know that sounds oversimplified, but it's what has worked for me. I, there's a lot of things I'm not good at. A lot of things I don't know. I know my inadequacies better than anybody on the earth other than Karen. I know my inadequacies. But if you'd ask me why I go where I go and what I've been able to do what I do, and I do some things that I can't even talk about because we're mentoring people that because of security reasons we can't even talk about in the principles of the kingdom of God. Why? Because <laughs> I just believe Jesus. And I know it sounds too simple. I didn't say I believe in him. I do. But I didn't say I believe in him. I didn't say I believe on him. I do. I said I believe him. 
And I believe anything he tells me I can do, I can do. Anywhere he says I can go, I can go. Anything he says I can have, I can have. And so I love people, but I trust Jesus. I don't even trust me. I don't trust my voice in my ear. I trust his voice in my ear. I want you to stretch your hand out toward me real quick and just look right at me. We're not going to take a long time tonight. I'll minister more on the altar tomorrow night and Sunday morning. But I want you to just look right at me. Father, I come into an agreement with these folk. And you have not stopped me in saying that at all tonight. So I do come into agreement with these folk. And in Jesus' name, I pray this weekend that any barrier to next, we give it to you. Break it out of our lives. Come on, get an agreement with that. Lord, anything we would cherish that will keep us from going to your next, just go ahead and take it out of our lives, Lord. Take it out of our lives. Anything, even something you did that we're, we're holding on to, and you don't want us to hold on to it anymore. Father, I just come into agreement with these precious ones that in Jesus' name, this weekend, everything that keeps us from moving next in our business, in our church, in our marriage, in our relationships, in our education, in, in every area of our life, and especially in walking with you, Anything that keeps us from going to next, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you'll remove it this weekend. Let the taught word, the prophetic word, the preached word, and the moving of the Spirit of God in the altars destroy today's cocoon so we can fly into next with Jesus. You believe you receive that? Then raise up your hands and give the Lord praise for it. Come on, just give him praise. Father, we believe this weekend that'll happen. We believe this weekend, Lord, that'll happen. We'll move to next. We'll walk through life with you. We will walk through life with you. We will walk through life with you. And what you do next will be greater than what you did last. I want you to look up here at this screen. I love the whole screen. I love graphics. I'm looking. Where is he? Aha. There's, I love graphics. I'll see some of them. But I looked up here and saw that board fence going through. The board walk, rather, not fence, but the board walk going through. And that's what I'm talking about. That's life. You don't know what's around the next corner. But you're walking there with Jesus. And what's around the next corner will be greater than what was back there. And even whatever the enemy throws in the way, it'll turn to my good anyway. He'll work it together for my good. And the devil, it doesn't even have any power on that path. He can talk. He can bring certain things. But he has no authority on that path. I love walking through life with Jesus. Glad you came tonight. Did you learn anything tonight? Hallelujah. I learned something new tonight. Pastor David, come on up and you can dismiss us. You know what I learned tonight? You can be a believer that's an unbeliever. I've never said that in my life. I got a whole new message now that's gonna I'm gonna find a real religious place to preach it. And I'm gonna break that one out right there. 
9.30 tomorrow, and we'll get started. We'll get right into teaching, and I'm going to move faster tomorrow from point to point. The Lord took me on some things, but, but we followed the Lord tonight. And uh, we're going to break out of our cocoon. Our cocoons will not be our coffins. They'll be our launching pads. Amen?